0: Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. It is episode 102, and we're talking today about The Passage by Justin Cronin. So even though I'm a little slower at work, I really can't read at work, so I always have to read at home. And I honestly just don't have a ton of time to read even when I'm at home. It's not really a bad thing. In fact, a lot of my time is being taken up with things that are really important to me. One of the things I'm working on is being more present in the moment, which means with my son, setting down my phone, I'm talking to him, I'm looking at him, I'm paying attention to him. And it's hard. My mind just doesn't always focus. I have things that I need to do or want to do or think about. But this is really important to me. And I think it's important to be present for him and for me. Like we were decorating the Christmas tree and he was commenting on each ornament and talking about memories of Christmas past and memories of his sisters. And I think that's so important because I do really love sharing those moments with him. And even though his sisters can't be with us and aren't with us as often as we would both like them to be, it's just nice to um, share memories of things that we've done with them and get excited for when we're going to see them next. He's also got already enough ornaments to practically decorate his own whole tree. And I want him to be able to decorate his tree when he's older and have those memories of doing the same thing with me. I know I have great memories of decorating the Christmas tree with my mom and my brother. So I'm busy making memories with my son. And honestly, that's one of my top priorities in life right now. We went up to the cabin this past weekend and it was wonderful as always. I took some time. For myself to read as well as play games with the boy weather was kind of cold and we had a little bit of snow so it was fun to just kind of stay cozy with him inside we had some hot cocoa while we played games i also took him to the new place that i went to and he's never been to and it's a bit of a drive away but i knew he would like it and he did he's he likes going to the same spots where people know us but he also definitely likes food So trying out new places with different food that is still delicious is something that he really enjoys as well. And as long as we have space to play some cards or some games, then we're usually pretty happy. We're not too hard to please at all. I did get the dogs out for a couple of walks, even though it was cold. It was a little harder to get the boy to walk with me, but I honestly don't blame him. And he did walk with me, even though he complained about it a little bit. Well, I do like the snow for the atmosphere, I don't love the cold, and some days I just want to spend inside, wrapped up in a blanket with my hot tea and a book. As far as the booze this week, a dystopian novel just needs a beer. I have said this before. I've come across some truths about pairing books and booze over the years that I've been doing this. Suspense and thrillers definitely need a red wine, and dystopian fiction needs a good beer. And the beer this week is an NA. A, I know a lot of people drink over the holidays and that dry, dra- dry January is becoming more and more popular. While I love my beer and my wine, alcohol isn't always the healthiest to consume. So it's definitely not a good thing to overindulge. And this is the season where people tend to overindulge in both food and booze. And I've shared a bit that I've had my own challenges with overdrinking and using booze to self-medicate, which Thankfully, I have a handle on, but don't encourage, even though I have a podcast about books and booze. So I thought the perfect beer this week and for this book is non-alcoholic. Moderation is the key in so many ways, and you can limit the booze by adding in some great NAs. They have definitely improved over the years, and I truly enjoyed this athletic Run Wild IPA. It's a nice hoppy IPA that packs a punch with all the flavor and not the alcohol. I got a six-pack of this at Woodman's for $10.99 from the Athletic Brewing website. Quote, Run Wild is the ultimate sessionable IPA for craft beer lovers. Brewed with a blend of five Northwest hops, it has an approachable bitterness to balance the specialty malt body. Always refreshing and only 65 calories. So whether you're cutting calories or booze, Run Wild IPA is totally a solid choice. This one comes in at less than 0.5% ABV and 35 IBU. It's also vegan and non GMO. It's a Best Non Alcoholic Beer USA award winner at the World Beer Awards, a gold winner at 2020 Best of Craft Awards, 2022 Tasting Alliance, 2022 US Open Beer Championship and really so many others from the past several years. It was kind of like scrolling past on the, the website that I was looking at. So it's trying to catch all of them, and they were just a lot. So this is definitely an award-winning beer, and it's really good. The recommended pairings are burgers, pizza, and tacos. And while I find these pairings to be hilarious, considering the company is called Athletic, <laughs> delicious, of course, but not the healthiest choices. Personally, I would pair this beer and book with a good hearty meal. With the weather so cold, I have been craving all of the comfort food. So I tried this creamy pumpkin chicken chili. It's a little healthier than traditional chili due to the chicken, but you could also do like a vegan or vegetarian option with this. Don't skip on the cilantro. It adds great depth. I also added a bit of chipotle pepper in adobo sauce to kick up the heat and the flavor, and it was delicious. So the link to that recipe is in the show notes as well. As far as the author, so I am so far behind on what's popular. At times, it's almost laughable. I may have heard about the passage in Justin Cronin. It's just not something that like stayed in my memory as something that I came across. So I was really surprised to find out that The Passage was a series and also had been made into a show. Justin Cronin was a name I only heard in relation to Station Eleven, which I shared in episode 96. Justin Cronin has this lovely website, which isn't surprising for an author whose works have been made into a TV series. And I'll say, he's a bit of a silver fox, too. (laughs) So his bio from his website, quote, Justin Cronin is the New York Times bestselling author of The Passage Trilogy, The Passage, The Twelve, The City of Mirrors, and the inspiration for a Fox TV series. His newest novel, The Ferryman, will release May 2, 2023. In 2010, Justin Cronin's The Passage was a phenomenon, which again, I apparently was completely unaware of this and was living under a rock at the time. The unforgettable tale that critics and readers compared to the novels of Cormac McCarthy, Michael Crichton, Stephen King, and Margaret Atwood became a runaway bestseller and enchanted readers around the globe. It spent three months on the New York Times bestseller list. and was featured on more than a dozen best-of-year lists, including Times Top 10 Fiction for 2010, NPR's Year's Most Transporting Books, and Esquire's Best and Brightest of 2010, Stephen King called the passage enthralling, read this book, and the ordinary world disappears. The Twelve and the City of Mirrors were also critically acclaimed Instant New York Times bestsellers. Justin Cronin is also the author of Marion O'Neill, which won the Penn Hemingway Award and the Stephen Crane Prize, and The Summer Guest. Other honors for his writing include a fellowship from the National Endowment of the Arts and a Whiting Writers Award. His work has been published in over 45 languages and sold more than 3 million copies worldwide. A writer-in-residence at Rice University, he divides his time between Houston, Texas, and Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Surprisingly, there isn't much more on Wikipedia about Cronin, though the On the Wikipedia for The Passage, there is a little more information, which I found really fun. So this is from the Wikipedia about The Passage, specifically the book. Quote, Cronin first began developing the idea for The Passage in 2026 when his daughter asked him to write a book about, quote, a girl who saves the world. He sets out to write a book that combined elements of multiple multiple genres, most predominantly horror, science fiction, and fantasy. Other fun facts from Wikipedia, quote, Cronin describes writing the book as feeling natural and having come very quickly. Cronin said the title is a reference to the character's journeys and the journey from life to death. Cronin said that many of the places featured in the novel were selected because they were places he had lived and he decided to travel every mile my characters did to capture not only the details of the place, but the feeling of the place, which I love the idea of him traveling every mile his character said. I think that's really cool. Well, I know some authors write about places they've never been or don't know intimately. I think think there's something about just authors experiencing the location, which brings an authenticity to the books. And it's something that I now always try to include in my writing personally. Getting into the book. As I said, I actually only heard about this book and remembered it in any way when I I read Station 11. And I could see how the passage influenced Emily Mandel St. John in some beautiful ways. Seriously, was I living under a rock in 2010 when this came out? I will say I wasn't doing much reading at that time and was busy helping raise my two bonus daughters. I was working a lot, I was volunteering a lot and i was very surprised to see this available immediately at the library so i got it right away and to read and review the passage if you're like me and don't know anything about it is a dystopian novel about vampires now stay with me here it's about more than just vampires it was but was probably published at the height of vampire popularity Twilight popularity was at the peak with the final movie coming out in 2011. True Blood was also smack dab in the middle of its run when The Passage was published. So it was the time was definitely right for vampires. But these vampires are different. The book follows a young girl, Amy, as well as various other characters whose stories end up revolving around Amy and helping to build her story. The government has been testing a virus with anti-aging properties on criminals, murderers, pedophiles but honestly, why not make them test subjects? When these test subjects escape, this deadly virus is unleashed in the United States, and a unique little girl may hold the key to everything. Amy is hands down the most interesting to me. Even before I realized that this was the story about a little girl that saves the world, she was definitely someone who grabbed my attention. Cronin did a really amazing job drawing me into her story. This is kind of like an epic story, and often in epic stories like Think Lonesome Dove, Game of Thrones, there are many characters to um, contribute to the story. But honestly, in this case, I found it a little frustrating. While there are all these storylines and other characters that are important in helping build the story, I just wanted to get back to Amy and Lacey. I thought Lacey was a wonderful addition to the novel, and I would have loved to see so much more of her. And I will be upfront about this now. I did not care for the passage, and it was a real struggle for me to finish it. And I read lots of reviews, and I honestly know that I'm in the minority in this. So I had to think long and hard on the reasons why the passage isn't the book for me. First of all, it is the epic setup and how I wanted to invest in someone and follow someone. I also didn't care for the jumping around in time and storyline. I will be sharing spoilers for the book now. So this is another episode where if you're going to read the book and you don't want to listen to the spoilers, then read the book, go read the book, come back later. Just stop now because I'm going to talk about some things that I liked and I didn't like in the book, and it does require me to share some of those spoilers So as I was saying, the jump in time and storylines were really disconcerting to me, and I did not really enjoy them. I was all invested in Amy and Lacey and even a little bit of Wolgast, even though by the time I'd realized not to get too invested in people, it's like how George R.R. Martin books, The Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, anyone is up for being killed off. You just never know who's going to make it. This felt different to me because it just wasn't supported by a strong enough story for me anyways. I was not invested enough in the overall story to be motivated to continue. It was a disappointment for me considering that I love dystopian novels. I have a new appreciation for people, though, who say storylines are drawn out. I did not know how long this book was until I got into it. The paperback is 879 pages. The paperback, let me say that again, is 879 pages, which is possible why it was available immediately at the library for me. It's a massive book and it's an undertaking, and I didn't realize what an undertaking it was going to be. It's easy to enjoy a rambling book full of details if you're invested in the story. If it's something you're enjoying or interested in, I just never got into it and I kept trying. It's in a way similar to The Push, which I reviewed a couple episodes back. While I enjoyed that story more, it just still wasn't the book for me, but I could recognize that it was a great book. The passage I can recognize as a wonderful book, even though it is definitely not the book for me. (laughs) Because I wasn't invested in the story, I was just kind of bored by it, and I was also irritated by it. I did not understand the colony's decision to keep the children, or the littles as they call them, in darkness about their lives and the state of the world. It just makes no sense for me to keep them and teacher locked up in the school instead of allowing them outside. Though personally, I'm not a fan of hiding from kids what reality is at all, Okay, I admit I did the whole Santa thing, but even looking back on that, I would have done it differently. I think telling kids about the realities of life in an age-appropriate manner is just such a better approach. I think it's Sarah who is recalling her eighth birthday and her release date, which release date terrifies me a little bit due to what it makes me think about from The Giver by Lois Lowry when they release people. <laughs> Sarah is recalling the excitement of the day and wondering if she's going to live in a castle. It's just so cruel, not only keeping in the, them in the dark figuratively, but literally as well. They never really explain why it's done, what the reasoning behind it is, other than they just continue this, what I consider to be an inhumane practice. Then once they're eight, they're told the truth, and then they start to trade. It's more cruel than if they were brought up with the truth from the beginning. Then there's so much time spent on Sanjay and his hatred of Uh, Demo Jackson or Demo Jackson. This is exactly why I dislike small towns and the bubble that some of these people live in. He dislikes the whole Jackson clan due to some small slight from childhood. Uh, Demo Jackson laughed at Sanjay when Sanjay shares the name of his imaginary friend. So it becomes this lifelong feud with the families where he doesn't want his wife and daughter associated with anyone in the Jackson family even though, of course, his daughter is in love with Theo Jackson. Then his daughter marries a man that she doesn't love to prod Theo into action, which is just heartbreaking for both her and her husband. It's very much a story about humanity and human nature, though for me, it's just a little too basic. I love reading and writing about the complexities of humanity, but for me, Cronin just didn't get into enough depth on this. Everyone's motivations are so superficial, and it doesn't feel like there's that more depth present for me. This is why I think I'm most fascinated by Lacey. Her actions and motivations are totally clear, and there's definitely some more depth involved with her. Even Wolgast, who I did like, is motivated to take care of Amy for a basic, simple reason. He lost his daughter, and he feels like he has a second chance. But once we do the jump ahead to the 90-some years into the colony, they're just so simple and basic. Auntie, who is an elder in the community, is slightly interesting, but not enough of a presence to develop properly. Even though this is an 800-plus page book, in my opinion, Cronin doesn't spend enough of his words on the right things. I do love certain things about the book. The concept is great, first of all. I love how the government is secretly testing this anti-aging virus on criminals. I love how it backfires, and then these test subjects are the 12, and they were terrible humans, and now they have this superpower. I think it's brilliant that everyone recognizes that Amy is different from Lacey and Wolgast to the random people she's connected with over the years. The book is incredibly creepy at times. It's not only a book about humanity and human nature, but it's similar to Michael Crichton in the way that the book is a cautionary tale about messing with things that we can't control. And how control is often an illusion. Well, control is an illusion. It's not often an illusion. It just flat out is an illusion. I like the idea of the 12, the original test subjects, who are the ones who can control people's minds and control all the other virals, as the colony calls the other vampires. Although the colony calls them virals, but once they start traveling and getting outside of them, um, there's they meet other groups that call them different things. A lot of that is brilliant, and it makes me think that Cronin is a really incredible writer. It just didn't do it for me, and so many people said on Reddit, "Keep reading, and it gets better." But like, it just didn't for me. I mean, okay. So my favorite part of the book is probably like the last two hundred pages or so. That's when I really was like enjoying it, and and I wanted that part to just be the book. I felt like that was the most important part. All the rest of the stuff was just building up to that ending part. So it just, it was kind of too late for me (laughs) to, like, I read this whole other 600 some pages to get to this point, and it, it didn't feel worth it to me. So there were parts in every little section that I did enjoy and that I found interesting. I just did not enjoy it the way other readers did. And I'm a proponent of not finishing books that you don't like. I've said before, I hate when people don't finish a book and still review it. Don't think you can review a book that you didn't finish because you don't have all the facts. I mean, as I feel with um, the passage when you read a book, it's unlikely that you're going to read a certain part of it and then decide all of a sudden that you love the book. But I still don't think it's fair to review a book if you haven't read the whole thing. I'm not going to review this book because it wasn't for me, just like the push. (laughs) I don't want to yuck someone else's yum. (laughs) I think I'd like the show, but I couldn't find it streaming anywhere other than Prime Video where you needed to pay for it or other streaming services where you actually had to pay for it. And I did not want to pay for a show that while I think I might like it, I did not um, love the book like so many other people. And so I didn't want to pay for something that maybe I wasn't going to like. (laughs) Anyways, Goodreads gives it a 4.04. One reviewer said, quote, while the book has compelling moments, too often Cronin starts to develop a character but never really completes the task. This reviewer also said another problem, quote, was Cronin's inability to handle dialogue, which I absolutely agree on with both counts. Cronin's writing isn't terrible, but it isn't great either. Had I been invested in the story, it would have been easier to overlook the writing flaws uh, like his dialogue. But he, this reviewer also talked about Cronin's starting to develop a character and never really completes the task, and Lacey is one of those, two. Like, Lacey is such a great character, and I just felt like more could have been done with her. I, I would be interested to see if the show has more of a role for Lacey. Another reviewer said, The passage is a lot like the month of March. It comes in like a vampire thriller and goes out like a batty soap opera. <laughs> Cronin got this off to such a sick start that the action carried me. I couldn't put it down. So for me, the action didn't grab me the way that it did for some people. There was action and Cronin does a nice job world building, moving the story forward, but it was not in a way that was engaging for me. I did force myself to finish this book, (laughs) but goes to show one more time that not every book is meant for every person. And this just wasn't the book for me media recommendations. So I'm still on my Hallmark type movie kick. and This one isn't holiday, but Falling in Love, Falling I-N-N Love was recommended on Netflix and has Christina Millian and Adam Damos. So I had to watch. It was a little gooey, and goofy, but fun, and just what I wanted to watch to unwind after work. It has the trope of woman changing her life after a significant breakup, which is a favorite trope of mine, of course. And of course, De- Adam DeMoss plays the role of the local handyman who is perfect, had the perfect love until she died. It's so bad, but it's oh so fun. <laughs> also, Escaping Twin Flames, which was also on Netflix, this was a docuseries about another cult. And wow, there are so So many out there that are just kind of all the same. They prey on often very intelligent people who are a little lonely or they feel like they're missing something in their lives. Just like all the other cults, this shows how things start off little by little, then continue to escalate until you don't know what's happening. And this was one wild ride, folks, and I mean wild. It's sad to see that people are still falling for this and still entrenched in twin flames, but so good to get these stories out there. When, well, yes, there is some entertainment value and, of course, wouldn't be on Netflix if they didn't think people would watch it. I love that people can get their stories out and hopefully help people not get in these situations to begin with or get out of a bad situation that they're in. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Don't Read Drunk. Email me at drunk at gmail.com. Check out my website, don'treaddrunk.buzzsprout.com. None of the don'ts have an apostrophe in them. Also, this is a hobby podcast, so feel free to support me. You can do a one-time donation on PayPal using my email, don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. You can also support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash which is also linked in the show notes. Thank you to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sunup, who created the music. You can find One Up Till Sunup and Aaron on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffeehouse. You can find them on Facebook and their website at Avenue-Coffeehouse.com. Don't forget about my newest sponsor, Karen Rothley Fine Arts. You can find Karen on Facebook, and I think she was working on her Etsy too. That's kind of been up and down with her, so check that out. She might be available on Etsy too. Next episode, Mr. Dickens and his Carol by Samantha Silva. Bye, and talk to you soon.